Welcome to the Mastering Leadership Podcast, a podcast for pastors and their teams by two guys that get it. Welcome back to the Mastering Leadership Podcast. I'm your host, Timon Benson. This is a podcast for QB pastors and their teams by two guys that get it. Welcome. Welcome, Mark. Good to see you, mate. Thanks, mate. Good to be here. Good to do number three in our series on teams. In our series on teams. And today, we're going to be looking at the topic of understanding the life cycle of your team. So we've looked at what is a team, we've looked at some of the characteristics of team. We then, last week, we, we looked at, um, how, to at start how to start a team from scratch. And, and so today, we're going to be looking at the life cycle of your team. Now, the big important question is why? Why understand a life cycle of a team? Why, why do we want to look at this topic today, Mark? Well, we believe that the best way to do ministry is in teams. We yep. think that's a New Testament model. But if you don't understand where your team is at you will never lead them to be a high-performing team. That's so true. And in the, in the gospel sense, that means a fruitful team. Yes, Fruitful, yes. faithful, discipleship fruit, evangelistic fruit, ministry fruit. So if you don't know what's going on for the people yeah. and how teams grow and change and develop and go on the journey yeah. and what you need to do as a leader to get people from where they currently are to where they need to go and where they could be in order to be the most effective. So it's really about a ministry, about ministry fruit. Yeah, like, you know, and you might be sitting in a place where where you've got a team right now and you just think, what is going, going on, on yeah. man? It is just, it's hard going. People don't seem to be all that interested. There's maybe a bit of conflict on the team, a bit of competition between members of the team when you gather together for your team meeting and you're just wondering what is going on. Well, we've got good news for you. You might just be, it might just be part of the life cycle of your team. That's right. But it is critical that you actually adopt a posture and actually play your role as the leader in order to lead that team to the next part of its development. That's right. So what are we looking at today? What model are we going to look at today, Mark? Well, there's a bunch of different models that describe how teams uh, form and the journey that they go on, the life cycle. But the most common, I think the most helpful is Tuckman's model. Yes. Which has, used to have four now it's got five. It's now it's upgraded. got five. <laughs> it was 4G, now it's 5G. And this is the model, you've probably heard of it. It's forming, storming, norming, performing, and then adjourning or adjourning because he couldn't right. quite squeeze in the... the <laughs> not uh, a good the, Baptist. The, the, the couldn't get not that. A, not a good Baptist. <laughs> couldn't rhyme it. Uh, but he talks about the journey a team goes on from start to finish yeah. and how to reach peak productivity, peak fruitfulness. Yeah. It's a very, very helpful model. Uh, other ones, we think this one's the most help. Yeah, and so the first, the first stage is that forming stage. And obviously in the forming stage, it, you're excited. People are excited to be, be part of the team. There's this eagerness. Uh, you know, generally people, uh, you know, they're excited and eager, but they're still a little bit close to one another. There isn't the, the level of trust has not been built, so people are not really opening up fully on this part. But but it's it is uh, you know, there's nothing like starting out on a team journey. I know you know the first team meeting. It's always exciting. Everyone's excited to be there. Everyone's eager to be there. There's nothing like that forming stage in starting a team. That's true. So exactly right. It does come with that sense of expectation and excitement, but also comes with some anxiety. Yeah. Because people know like, oh, is there, will other people like me? Will I yeah. fit in here well? Yeah. Uh, what happens if... Um, will I be able to make a contribution? Make a difference? Yeah, yeah, totally. So it's this weird mixture of excitement, um, 
kind of social politeness because nobody wants to you know be that guy, yeah. um, but also some anxiety and questioning and thinking what what role do I have to play? So often in this forming stage, you have some status anxiety. Yeah. Oh man, everyone else here looks like they've got it together and they've got so much talent. And do I even belong on this team? Man, that is so important to understand that. That that's what will be in the minds and hearts of the people you're leading. They're all thinking, man, do I really belong here? Like, am I really? Am am I? Why am I? What am I doing here? There might be some of that 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 feeling in 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 some of your team members. I reckon if I had a dollar every time I said to someone, "I'm putting this new team together." I'd love you to pray about being involved. And they said, look, I'm really flattered, but I think you've got the wrong person. I don't think I can make a contribution. I'm wow. like, no, 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 trust me. Just come along to the You'll meeting. You'll be great. <laughs> Everyone else is going to love you. You're going to yeah. love them. You're going to be great. It's all going to be great. Just come along and see how it goes. Right. And then we do, you know, food yeah. and sharing and get yeah. to know you sort of stuff together. Yeah. Yeah. And then we move from forming and then the next stage in Tuxman's model is storming. Now tell us about storming, Mark. Storming is when people stop being polite and yeah. they start to get real. Yeah. Right? So sometimes uh, this is about um, philosophy of ministry yeah. or ideas. Yeah. That's not going to work. That's a bad idea. Yeah. Or it's about personalities. Yeah. Like – um, you always speak first. I never get to have my say. Um, yeah. It can be competitive. Yeah. Um, there can be a lack of participation. People think, oh, I'm not sure about this. I don't think that's going to work. Um, I've got a different idea. This is the moment in the Fellowship of the Ring, mm. in the Lord of the Rings, yeah. where Boromir looks at the ring and says, I reckon I would actually be better to take, take the ring take to that. Mordor. Yeah, right? give it to then me. Frodo, give it to me, Frodo. Give it to me. <laughs> and, and that is, you know, up until that point, it's all been very polite and pretty neat, but that's the moment where there's resistance, there's conflict, yeah. there's pers- personality clashes. It's emotional. Yeah. Um, and and if, you're, if you're in a team like that, it's a pretty awful experience actually, isn't it? Yes. Yeah, I mean, you know, I think back to the teams that I've been involved in in church over the years like, uh, you know, when, when I was a worship pastor and I had like a worship leadership team, there was just moments where people started getting real and they started to raise problems and yeah. issues and yeah. say, hey, we've got this issue. This, this person is, you know, is part of our worship team, but they're not, they're not coming to church other than when they're rostered on. What are we going to do about that? Is there a problem with that? You know, it was things like that, that issues and, and things started to be raised in the team and we started to have differences of opinion about what to do That's with right. those particular issues. But then after we finish storming, a team can then move on to norming, Mark. That's right. So norming is when you start to come out of that storming stage. Yep. So you start to bring clarity to the ideas. You start to agree together. You start to understand other people's perspectives. There's give yep. and take. Yep. So the ideas come together. Uh, the goals are clarified. Yep. You know, you've come through the mess. Yeah. And now you're starting to say, hey, sorry about that. I was just hungry and grumpy and I didn't listen to your idea. My bad. That's okay. I forgive you. You know, so everyone starts to chill out at this point. Yep. And norming is the de-escalation of anxiety, yeah. right? Yeah. It's people calming down, yeah. apologizing, becoming more confident, feeling brave to speak up, clarifying the goals and expectations. There's relief. People start to develop cohesion. Someone makes a joke. Yeah. Everyone laughs. Yeah. In the forming stage, that was polite laughter because yeah. you're supposed to laugh. Yeah. In the norming stage, it's actually funny and you do it because <laughs> you're becoming friends, you know? So you have, you have legitimate relationships being built 
are more supportive, more engaged. The roles and responsibilities are starting to become more clear. Yeah. People are starting to trust each other in this yeah. uh, norming, uh, norming yeah. stage. It's a lovely place to be. Yeah, I remember exactly. I was just talking about when I was a worship pastor. I remember when we moved as a worship leadership team from storming to norming. There was a definite sense that things had normalised in our team and we'd started to understand one another. We had clarity over our goals. We had clarity over our ministry philosophy. Some of those issues that were raised in the storming phase were now clarified in the norming phase and people knew what they were to do and there was good relationships with one another. Now, but norming isn't just where you stay. There is another phase after norming and that is obviously performing. 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 So, cricket analogy, right? Yeah. So um, opening batsman. Yep. Opening batsman comes out full of energy, full of beans, warmed up, doing his practice defensive blocks, kicking up the heels at the back, waving at the crowd, marking his crease, right? That's forming. Yep. Expectation, anxiety. Then it's a green wicket. The ball's seeming around. He gets hit in the ribs a few times. The bowler (laughs) stares him down, nicks a couple through the slip cordon that get dropped. That's... There's tension about, yep. I said no, you said yes. You know, there's running between the wickets <laughs> yep. issues. That's, that's um, the storming. storming. Yep. Then you start to feel like you're getting in. Yep. You start to see the ball a bit better, start to read the pitch a bit better. Yep. I do love sporting analogies. Wow. Um, so oh, at, at that point, the batsman's that. like, yeah. no, nah, I'm on 20 runs. Yep. I've, I've faced 50 balls. I think I'm in. Yeah. I think I'm in. Yeah. Then every cricketer knows if you get in, if you make a good start, yeah. You've got to translate that to a big score. Yeah. In other words, you've got to perform. If you've yeah. done the hard work yeah. to normalise, now it's about moving to uh, performance. And yeah. in performance, there's high motivation. Yeah. Uh, there's uh, – so everyone's keen, keen yeah. as. Yeah. There's trust yeah. in the group. People trust each other. There's empathy. Yeah. So they show each other grace and forgiveness and understanding. Um, people give up their own personal preference for the good of the team. So, no, 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 it doesn't matter what I want. I think this would be best for the team. Put the team first. There's no I in team. That's the performing kind of kind of language. Um, you're actually getting runs on the board. Yeah. Like there's deliverables. There's fruit you can point to. It's like high morale. People love Absolutely. being on the Absolutely. high performing team. It's, it's a great sense of, hey, we're doing something great for God together. Exactly right. And you feel like when you're a high performing team in the performing zone, you feel like everything you touch turns to gold. Yeah. That you're just cranking out great outcomes, that every Sunday is better than the one before, that every Friday night is better than the one before, that every uh, group you write or um, you know, group study you write or project you're involved in or weekend activity is more effective than the one before. Like you actually are just pumping it out. Um, people are doing their own jobs without being asked. Yeah. You know? No one needs to be reminded about what their contribution to the team is. People just turn up early. They do their job, they encourage each other, they're committed to the team and you're scoring runs left, right and centre. Now, Tuckman's model was forming, storming, norming, performing, but you said that there was the fifth thing that was added to Tuckman's model, which was... Which is adjourning. Adjourning. So adjourning is um, the beautiful and painful stage of a team finishing its time together. Yeah. So it's about moving on. Yeah. Um, it's about mourning... Now, I know we've talked about the last dance before. I was going to say... Do you remember that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. In the last dance, yeah? Yeah. Yeah. It's when um, a key player gets traded. Yeah, yeah. It's when the coach resigns. Well, I just remember in that that miniseries that when they they finished that final season, uh, what they did was they went out to the centre of their court and they had a barrel and everyone bought, I think, something and they put it in 
in the flames in the in That's the right. in the barrel. Like a, you know, I think Jordan bought a pair of Air Jordan shoes that he'd worn, and people, and it was just a way of celebrating the end of of an era, the end of their great team. Um, and that's important, isn't it, to to, right. to help people move on and change right. and grow exactly right. and you know and and teams don't last forever. Every no. team will actually at some point come to a close. That's right. And so bringing it to uh, an end well and celebrating all that God has exactly done right. is very very important uh, in your in your team. Exactly yeah. right. And to be able to help people process the the grief and and pain of no longer being together. Yes. The band's breaking up. The yes. tour's over. The yep. event's done. That ministry's finished. So-and-so's moved away. So-and-so's died. It's the end for our team. Yep. We're disbanding. We're moving on. We're shifting. And it's really important that you help people work through that emotional yep. kind of grief. Yeah. Because it is, a, it, is, it is grief. Yeah. Um, new teams can spring out of that, of yep. course. Yes. Um, there is a Blues Brothers 2 movie. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Where there's a new band that gets together. Uh, well, forming, storming, norming, performing, adjourning, adjourning. I <laughs> know oh, we've got to work on the last one. So, um, so these are the different the different phases of Tuckman's model. But it's not just important that people know that, like there is these, there is this life cycle of a team. It's important to know that. But the reason that it's important really is so that you, as a leader, understand your role in each phase. Exactly. Because it's critical that you, as a leader, understand how you lead in each phase, so that you can help your team move to the next phase. So for people who are just forming a team, someone who's right now got a team, they're forming a team, what type of leadership, Mark, should they actually exercise? Yeah, okay. So at this, to- at this point in the forming stage, the leader is the man. Right. Right? So very visible, upfront. Or the um, woman. Or the woman. Yes, the man yeah. in the metaphorical yeah, sense. Yeah, yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So highly visible, up the front, uh, microphone in hand, they're facilitating introductions. You know, let me tell you about so-and-so. We're so glad to have team on on the team. Team on, tell us about you. Yes. Brother, we're grateful for you. You know, sister, tell us about you. So lots of introductions, lots of helping people get to know each other. Um, it's important that the leader explains the big picture. Yeah. This is what we're here to do. Yeah. This is the purpose of our team. It's not a bad thing, it is fits. it, at the beginning of like a team when you're forming to actually be directive. Very directive. Like yeah. it's actually it actually gives your team members a lot of confidence if you come in with confidence and say so come in with confidence and say this is where we're going, this is where I believe God's taking us. You help people get um, acclimated to, you know, acclimated to the team, you introduce them. All of those things are actually a fan, like that's actually leadership 101, like in that, in that, in that, right at that start, providing that directive leadership. It's not a bad thing. It actually helps provide, as I said, security to team members. Exactly right. So part of your role is to be direct about expectations. Yes. This is what we're here to do. This is what we, I expect from you. This is what you can expect from me. We expect this from one another. Here's where that fits in the big picture. And establishing protocols. Here's how we're going to communicate. Yeah. Are we going to use Teams? Are we going to use chat? Are we going to use Facebook Messenger? Like, what are we going to do to um, yep. communicate? Yeah. Um, what do we expect of one another? So all the expectation things have to happen in this um, forming time. And you want to keep things sharp and punchy, right? Yeah. So quick responses. Don't yeah. let things drift. Keep everyone yeah. together. Yeah. And it's kind, of, it's kind of an orientation phase. Yeah. So you're helping people get to know one another, get to know what the team's about, and to establish those expectations, but you're very visible. Yeah, you do most of the talking in this first part of the, and most of the upfront stuff in Mate, this first part. I'll, I'll never forget. So when I 
first became a pastor at Subiaco Church of Christ. So I was first associate pastor gig, right? After the very first team meeting, our, our, our sort of pastoral team meeting, uh, Pastor Graham, who was my senior pastor, he's American, I've talked about him before. Is that why you said acclimated before instead of acclimatized? I, I wonder that's why, yeah, you know, I've got a, I've got a little bit of like that in me, you know. Oh, I just, I've yeah. got a little bit of that uh, stuff in me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so um, he, he, it was our very first team meeting and he took me outside and after the team meeting, I think I had um, overshared a bit, you know, you can't imagine me doing that, but I think I'd like, you know, overshared a little bit and he took me out and he just said, he said, Timan, I want to take you for coffee. I said, okay. (laughs) And he said to me, and so we went out for coffee and he said, Timan, there is only one senior pastor here and you're not it. (laughs) Yeah, right. Okay. (laughs) Clarifying expectations. He was clarifying expectations. Now it was, I'm just putting it on a bit. I'd like to just tell that story a little bit, you know. Just, just ham it up a bit. But basically what he was doing to me is he was actually just sitting me down and saying, here's the expectations, here's the boundaries team on, here's, here's where you fit in my team. And I actually, I actually really appreciated it because I knew it came from a place of love. I knew he loved me, but he was also helping me fit within the team. It was actually really good team yeah, leadership. really good. So, hey, one, one thing to this forming bit. Yep. You might have a team that's already established and a yep. new person comes in, yes. right? You have to do the forming thing again. You have to help that new person understand where they fit in the team. Yes. Um, how the team works, who's who in the yep. zoo, and give other people a chance to get to know the new person too. Yes. So if you've got a team of five people and you add a sixth person, yep. you have to do the onboarding process, the yep. forming process all over again. Yep. And now the team's saying, well, where does this guy fit? Yeah. And what do we expect from him? And is he trustworthy? And do we like him? And, you know, is he going to follow through on things? Like, like all that stuff has to happen uh, too. So you can come back to bring your team back to the forming stage when a new person comes in. That's Every so time important. a new person comes in, you've got to help them through that forming Forming, forming stage yep. again. Now, when you move into storming, when a, when a team is in storming and there might be some people who are listening and their team is just in this storming phase, what type of leadership do you need to provide for the, for the storming phase? Like I think if you continue to be a director, it's going to go bad for you, isn't it, Mark? So how do yeah. you actually change yeah. your leadership posture to help a storming team? That's really important because you can't shut down the storming team. Yes. Right? You can't just say, we don't talk about that here. We don't ask questions. Get back in your place. You have to actually open <laughs> things up. Yes. And you have to say, that's an important question. Yeah. We do need to work through that. Yeah. Hey, Timon, I think it's important that you let so-and-so share yeah. their perspective too. So yep. in a storming situation, you become a bit of a peacemaker yeah. So you need to be that non-anxious presence. Yeah. Uh, you need to make sure that it's safe to share uh, feedback mm. and uh, to um, give encouragement as well. You need to help identify the key issues. Um, hey, folks, uh, so-and-so has brought up an important point here that we actually don't know. We haven't yet talked about how this thing's going to work. That takes a lot of security as a leader, a security. doesn't it? Like security. to actually like hear some feedback, especially if it's negative feedback about the ministry. That's right. To really just say, hey, thank you for sharing. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. Maybe we need to consider that. Yeah. Maybe we haven't thought about that. That's right. And to normalize that. Yeah. And to say, hey, we, we want to be a team where it's okay to ask questions. Yeah. Where it's okay to say, I wonder if there's a different way to do that or I'm not quite happy with where we're at at the moment. That's important. But if this is the first time you're, you're leading a team and you get to the storming stuff, you can think, I'm a bad leader. Or mm. I've recruited 
these dodgy people. <laughs> I thought they were good, but look at them. They're at each other's throats now. Mm. No, no, you're in the forming stage. So you need to build trust by following through, yeah. by honouring commitments, by making it safe to raise concerns and to continually clarify, 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 clarify. In other words, you've got to move through the noise and through the mess and um, land all the issues. And you've got to help people, I think, appreciate different personalities because yeah. on a team, like, you know, extroverts like myself will often think that introverts are pains in the neck, you know, yeah. especially, yeah. you know, I, I'm, I'm a sort of extroverted, fast-moving, yeah. decisive yeah. sort of person. That's why I like you, mate, because <laughs> I'm like that too. Yeah. And so if you have these introverted, slow-moving right. people who are questioning everything, uh, you know, you can, you can just say, oh, man, that's just people, are, are, you know, a drag. But yeah. they're actually, you've got to help those yeah. people realise that they're actually a gift. Okay, let me, it's it's a, a gift to have different personalities. Let's tell a quick story. I was leading a team yep. and we had a guy on our team, great guy, totally different to me. So he's, I'm fast, he's slow. Yeah. I'm big picture, he's attention to detail. Yeah. So at the start, I thought, his name's Dave. And I thought, man, this guy, Dave, he's just... Every idea I've got, he's shooting it down. Just boom, go boom. On. He's just, yeah. you know, so critical and yeah. nitpicky, et cetera, et cetera. Then we did, um, we took the whole team through leading from your strengths. And I realized, oh, Dave's an analyzer. Wow. So he's lots of information and he will find the, the important pieces of information and make sure we don't forget them. Wow. So he's not trying to shoot me down. No. He just says, hey, Mark, here's five things you haven't thought about. Yeah. And I'm like... Until we worked, and then he looked at me and he thought I was careless and reckless and just, yep. you know, big picture over the yeah, yeah. just um, microphone in hand, fudging yep. it. Yeah. And he's yep. like, no, bro, it has to be about the yep. content. So when, when we went, oh, he looked at me and said, oh, you're not an idiot. You're just big picture. <laughs> I looked at him and said, oh, you're not trying to shoot me down. You're just attention to detail. So part of your leadership in that, in that phase of storming can be to help people appreciate the different personalities yep. on the team and what they bring. What they bring to the team. And how they contribute. So, so with Dave, we started, I started giving him lots of information before the meetings. Yeah. Saying, Dave, we've got a team meeting coming up uh, next week. Here's all the info we're going to go through. I'd love you to bring to us two or three key things that we, yep. me, are likely to miss. Wow. And then he would bring his, the best of his analyzer brain wow. to our meeting, but we wouldn't be paralyzed by his slow pace in, in analyzing awesome. information. So we learned how to get the best from him. Yeah, yeah. wow. Yeah. And I guess, I guess as you continue through that storming, you, you won't really notice, you may not even notice when you move to norming, but eventually you will get there. You will actually, things will normalize. And then how in norming, do you have to posture yourself as a leader? So, like, if you're informing, you have to direct, you have to, you know, be, be clear. Then in storming, you have to sort of, like, facilitate and, and be a peacemaker and, and bring out the different personalities. Then when it comes to norming, what's your posture in norming as a leader? Well, when it comes to the, the norming phase, a lot of it is to help the team realise what's happening. In other words, hey, guys, we did a great job today, didn't mm. you? know, um, Timon, you did a great job yourself. Personally, wow. what you brought to the team really made a difference and we're so grateful that you're on this team. In other words, you recognise individual and team So efforts. you sort of like celebrate you people. Start, you start to, to yeah. Cel yeah, celebrate people. You Cheerleader. start to, yeah. to recognise, actually, we, we did a good job today. Yeah. Things went well. Um, each person turned up, you know. You hear that phrase in sport. Man, <laughs> we, we, we really turned up today. Mm. That's a team describing that they're out of the storming phase. 
So um, the leader also here needs to keep an eye on the energy of the group. Yeah. So it needs to be aware of the group dynamics, um, yep. who's fallen behind, who's who's going well, who's dominating, and start to try and manage the the dynamics to keep the whole group engaged yep. uh, in, in the team. So it's not um, directing like informing. It's not being the peacemaker and the clarifier yep. like it is in norming. It really in, it in really, storming. In, sorry, in storming. I mean, yep. in the norming stage, it really is that um, celebrating. Uh, cheerleading, cheerleading, yep. collaborating together. It's lots of working together, kind of leadership style. Keeping an eye on the energy, um, uh, doing safe feedback. You know yeah. what went right, what went wrong, what was missing, what's confused. Yep. You know that kind of um, analysis. Yeah. Um, and then eventually, once you move through that norming phase, you'll eventually come to performing, and that that phase is where. You know, hopefully as a leader, you're seeing the real you're, – you're sort of standing back. That's right. And the team has taken off and you're, you're just like – you're just loving it, man. You're just coaching these people, you're, you know, and, and they're loving it too and they're really taking responsibility for, for, the, for the team outcomes. Yeah, exactly right. I, I would describe a high-performing team as like – again, another sporting analogy. I love sporting analogies. The footy team is doing in the game all the things – you practiced in training and yeah. you're up by, you know, AFL, you're up by t- 10 goals. Yeah. And the coach on the sideline is like, go team, <laughs> we're nailing it. Everything we talked about is happening. In other words, when you're in the forming stage, the leader is right at the front, very vis- visible, yep. uh, very in charge, if you like, yep. very directive. Yep. In the performing stage, um, the leader's off to the side. They become yep. a coach and yep. an empowerer yep. and a releaser and an encourager and a celebrator. And it's much more about um, celebrating success. It's about guiding. So not directing, but guiding. So guiding is, here's a couple of things for us to keep in mind in the, in the next quarter. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Here's a few tweaks we can make. Yeah. Here's how we can optimize our performance. Here's a roadblock that I think we can move. So it's collaborative decision-making, collaborative problem-solving. Um, the team does a lot of this on their own. Like you come to the halftime break or the post-worship service debrief <laughs> and then a high-performing team, automatically, naturally, the team will say, oh, guys, we nailed this, this, and this. Oh, man, we really messed up that and mm. that. Hey, I reckon mm. we should do this. And everyone goes, mm. yep, great. I'll do this. You do that. I'll do this. You do that. So it's dynamic. Yes. It's energy. It's a fruitful. Uh, it's, it's an awesome place to be in a high-performing team because there's all this energy yeah. and effectiveness yeah. And you feel like each week is better than the one before. Yeah. So the leader's role then is to guide, to celebrate, to uh, facilitate collaboration and shared decision-making, shared problem-solving. Um, it's a really great place to be a leader. Yeah. And the team gets the glory. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, God gets, <laughs> God's the glory. gets the glory. God yeah, gets but, the glory. But there's not the I know what you mean. But as, as the, as the, the, as the, you know, every good coach, when the team is going well, is always saying That's right. it's the team. Totally. You know, and when the team's going bad, a a good coach is always saying, "Yeah, it's my fault. It's my fault. It's my responsibility." Um, So, forming, storming, norming, performing, adjourning. Now, Mark, we always like to give some applications, some takeaways at the end of each one of our podcasts. So, for our listeners, what might be some takeaways? So, you know, they've heard this this model of of the life cycle of a team. Tuckman's what might yeah Tuckman's model? What might they be able to do now, like with this with this model? Yep, okay, I think there's two key things. Yep. One, 
is, well, I think actually three key things. One is you have to help the teams that you're leading understand the journey yep. so they don't freak out. Yes. Otherwise, when they get to storming, people quit. Yeah. So you want to be able to say, guys, remember we talked about this. It's going to be okay. We're just experiencing a bit of storming, Do you think but it, we're going to get through it. Like if you, if you were leading a team, it might be a good thing just to actually get this forming, storming, norming, performing and actually do it with your team. Absolutely. So where are we? Where are we, guys? Which, which phase are we in? 100%. So whenever I start a brand new team, I talk about this. Yeah. This is the journey that we're going to go on. Right now, everyone's polite and it's nice to be here. We're all <laughs> excited, a bit anxious. Um, it won't be long yeah. before we'll actually start to disagree with each other about how to do things, can we really trust one another? That's okay. So I'd actually talk them through the model yep. so that when it happens, no one freaks out. Yes. Right? Um, so that's probably the first thing, to, to teach your teams how teams work. Yeah. The second thing is to understand where your team is at. Right. Right? Yeah. Where is your team at right now? The te- yep. your, your, your main team. Yeah, your first team. Your first team. So if you're a solo pastor, that might be your um, deacons or elders. It might be your ministry team. But the team where you're like, I'm the team leader, this is my team. Yeah. If you're a senior pastor, it's probably your staff and ministry leaders, um, ministry staff uh, team. Yeah. Understand where your team is and what you've got to do about it. Yeah. What's your posture? What's my posture? Yes. What kind of leadership does my team need from me right now? Yes. So in the forming stage, it's facilitating interactions. It's um, helping people make introductions. It's uh, um, onboarding and orienting. But when you're down at the performing stage, it's about empowering, releasing, encouraging, celebrating. So to understand where is my team at? What do they need from me? What yeah. kind of leadership do they need in order to move through that journey towards being a high-performing team? Yeah. So first thing, teach this model to your teams. Yeah. Because that way you'll actually have a much higher chance of ending up with high-performing teams. Second thing, understand where your team is at and the kind of leadership that you need. Yeah. You need to exercise to help them uh, be an effective team. The third thing, and this maybe is the secret sauce in church leadership, is to help team leaders mm. understand this, mm. right? So you're not just a leader of ministry leaders. You're a leader of uh, – it's not just a leader of other doers. You're a leader of leaders. Yes. So how can you coach your team leaders so that they can lead their teams effectively? Yes. Right. So an example is you've got a, a youth worker – it's day and a half a week. He's at Friday night, bit in schools and um, Sunday morning, you know, mm. youth church, right? Youth Bible study. But he's got a team of, or she's got a team of youth leaders. Mm. So how can you help them understand where their team is at mm. and the kind of leadership they need to show so that they can be an effective leader leading their team? Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, thank you, Mark, for joining us again, man, on the Mastering Leadership Podcast. Mastering Leadership Podcast. From two guys who get it. Yep. Yep. That's right. (laughs) So you've heard today all about um, understanding the life cycle of your team. Make sure you go home and you teach your team about the life cycle of a team. Uh, You know, think about your own posture and also, you know, coach your leaders. Really great stuff. Well, next week, we're going to be looking at defining and defending team culture. That's going to be really important. Because culture eats strategy for For breakfast, breakfast, as the old saying goes. And it truly does. And we're going to talk about that, about how you can actually set the culture of your team, how you can define it, and then how you need to defend it and cultivate it in your team so that your team can be healthy. Well, thank you for joining us, Mark. Great times. Been great. Thanks, Timon. All right. Bye. Bye. (laughs)